0: If you've got your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Let's take a moment and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we do approach you now. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your presence. And Lord, we ask you for utterance in the Holy Ghost, boldness to speak your word. I trust you, Lord, to give us exactly what's needed and right for this time, for this night. Lord, do a mighty work in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we started a, a number of weeks back on a series called The Church. The Church. And let's, let's continue tonight and pick up where we were. Matthew 16, here's the text that we've been teaching from. 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I... The Son of Man am. So they said. Some say John the Baptist. Some Elijah. Others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. I and mean, we know there's a lot of different things people say about Jesus today. Does it matter what a person says about Jesus? Some would say, well, he's he was a a good teacher, but nothing more than that. Some would say he's you know like here, uh, uh, well he was a prophet. Uh, some you know would say there are some even say well we're not even sure he even existed. And uh, just people say all kinds of things about Jesus but that's the most important question a person could ever answer in their life. Who is Jesus? Who do you say that he is? And uh, Jesus said that to these disciples but he said to them verse 15 but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said you are the Christ the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Again, let me emphasize this point that you and I should be very quick to have an answer regarding who Jesus is. And, and, and especially for those of us, and I believe I'm talking to a lot of people in this case, we are interested in not just uh, living a blessed life, but sharing a blessed life. But not just receiving from God, but giving what we've received from God to others. And one of those things simply has to do with understanding and being able to accurately communicate His goodness, His love, and the reality of God with others. And that's one of those basic questions. Well, well, who do you say Jesus is? You know, there are many people who are confused about uh, eternity. And when you talk about God and you talk about, because, you know, with the culture and the climate, the way it's becoming, some people just mix all religious ideas into one basket and they say what's the difference you know what's the difference between what you say and what this other group says and what this other religion says and 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 i realize that could be a whole topic in a whole series uh, of discussion right now but um have an answer and one thing i've liked uh, i like to use at times if i catch someone in that mode and not everyone is in that that place but i like to ask them this very question well what about jesus well, what do you mean? What about? You? Well, who is he? What about what he said? What about his claim that he is the way, the truth, and the life? Remember John fourteen six. No one comes to the Father but by him. What are you going to do with that? And you get get you know you get people to think about it because we can explain from there. But you know, was he right or was he wrong? And oftentimes, you know, when someone wants to say, well. You know, Jesus was a, a good guy, a good example. Well, good guys don't tell lies. Yep. Know what I'm talking about? Good guys and you know, nice people or good prophets or something like that. They don't claim to be the way, the truth, and the light the only way to get to the Father. Okay? And that's a problem. And you can, you can point out the easy discrepancies that people have in their thinking when they don't really want to acknowledge that, He is the Savior. He is the Christ. He is the one who took our sins. And the only way to have a relationship with God is by accepting His Son, is by accepting the sacrifice that has been made for us. And so uh, just be ready, be equipped, and some simple answers like that can go a long way to help someone to understand that what Jesus did was necessary. Necessary all right if there if there were many many different ways for a person to have a relationship with god you know the old saying all roads lead to rome if there were many different ways and if 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 one person could could just be a a good person as long as they lived by their conscience then that's a way that they can experience god another person could go out in the forest and talk to a tree and uh you know, that's how they experience God and, and and all kinds of different things like that. If that were true, then talk to me about stripes on Jesus' back. Talk to me about Him laying down His life and being nailed to a cross and suffering and taking on the sins of the world and all that He went through. What was the reason for that if I could go find God uh, and just, you know, relate to the tree and uh, or, or something like that? Or if I could just really you know, pull myself together, do a lot of good deeds, then why did Jesus have to die? Isn't that a good question? I know that's real simple, but you remember when Jesus said, uh, when he prayed before he was about to go through the most severe event any person could go through, and he was about to not only suffer all the physical stuff, and there have been others who have suffered physically, but he took it on spiritually as well. Remember, he was praying. In what's called the Garden of Gethsemane. And he said, Father, if there's another way, let this cup pass from me. I don't really, I'm not really looking forward to this right now. It's the reason that I came. But when it came to it, he had to deal with his flesh. And thank God he did. But he, had, he, but he prayed, if, is there another way that we can do this? Let's do it. <laughs> I, I, I think I, I want to go with plan B. I don't know about you, I'd be praying that same, <laughs> same thing. But how many know what the answer was? There was no plan B. It's either you give your life and be the ultimate sacrifice, or the world is toast, or we are stuck in sin. You say, well, God can do anything, can't He? He can't be unjust. And if you have sinned, there has got to be payment for that sin. It just has to be that way. It's a matter of justice, and God ceases to be who He is. If He says, you can do whatever you want, I like you. And so for you, I'm just going to look the other way. (laughs) Well, That just doesn't remove a spiritually dead person from that condition. There had to be a sacrifice. Therefore, it provided a way for a person to experience the new birth. And to be born in the likeness, an image of God, born again with His life and His fullness. But that's why the answer wasn't, okay, Jesus, we'll just... Well, since, you know, we're God and everything, we'll just do this a different way because we can. The truth is there was no other way. Absolutely no other way. He had to suffer. He had to die. And that's why for our lives today there is and there has to be a response to that where we acknowledge and receive what the Lord has done. Anyway, aside from that it just doesn't work. Someone has to take the sin. What if I'm a good person? You're still a dead good person. <laughs> Spiritually dead, separated from God and nothing you can do can ever fix that. I know this is elementary but it just came up in my heart while we're, while we're, while we're talking here. And uh, some have made uh, illustrations and examples like, uh, you know, like uh, down in Twin Falls, they have the Snake River Canyon. Anybody ever seen that? And remember, Can Knievel tried to jump it many years ago and mm, <laughs> didn't make it. But you, th- you think about something like that, that canyon, which I don't know the exact width of that, but it's pretty, pretty wide. And, uh, and, and you could get um, the best long jumper from the Olympics. And how many know they could train and practice and, and jump? And how far are they going to get <laughs> in relationship to the other side? Just nothing. And that really kind of shows us our efforts compared to where we need to get. And when a person is going to take on the responsibility of being good, being righteous, being holy enough to get to God, to get to, I mean, you muster up everything that is humanly possible and you will not even hardly scratch the surface in His perfection and holiness and righteousness. And if you're trying to be good enough to be accepted by God, forget it. You're working out and you're going to take a flying leap and get that far. And you're going to be so far away from Him And the only way to get to where we need to be is to say, I can't. Could you build me a bridge? And he did. And that bridge is Jesus. And he's the only one. Now we cruise right across, but he's the only bridge. (laughs) No one else paid the price. Amen. All right. So anyway, we're talking about the church. It all fits in. That's how you get in. Uh, Jesus said, I will build my church. If Jesus said he will build his church, the gates of hell or Hades won't prevail against it. Then that's what we should be involved in. We should be involved with what? The church. Of course, through a universal way and then in a local setting, we should be involved with the very thing that Jesus said, this is what I'm building. And I want to get to this a little bit later, but let me just say this right now. Our involvement with a local church should go beyond just attending a local church. It should be building the church. By us building a local church, we are building the church all around the globe because we're ultimately all one. But we need to have a vision beyond just I go to church. Hmm. Or for Pastor Allen, my name is <laughs> church. <laughs> but we need to personally be involved in building the church. That's what Jesus is doing. And if I'm walking with Him, cooperating with Him, that's what I'm doing. All right. And i just hold that thought for a week or two and, uh, and we'll come back to that. But I want to get get into some specifics about that, but it would be good and it would do you well to to think about that some in the meantime and and to make that an issue of prayer. Lord, how can I be involved with you in building the church? Building the church. What does that mean for me to build the church? Okay. Now now go to Ephesians chapter 4 with me. We're kind of, I'm trying to pick up where we left off last time and we read this scripture to you in ephesians 4 and and let's read that again and move on from there ephesians 4 because the issue of us coming together which we know is one of the definitions of the church it's a it's an assembly of the god's people assembly of believers uh that we are to assemble like we said before not just physically but we are to also assemble internally spiritually mentally of one purpose of one mind and and that what what is oftentimes missing from many local bodies they get together they're in physical close proximity but in other ways they're just really not together and if they're not together they can't accomplish much and there are people that get together physically just like there are many people I don't know if I already used this illustration but there are people who are married and they're together they live in the same house but they're not together Know what I'm talking about? I mean, there's just something. It's just not the way it's supposed to be. And they're not, you know, all gears aren't clicking together. And their family is not what God intended or what it should be. They're not a whole lot of joy and pleasure and and all these things in their family because they're not together in so many other ways. Okay. Verse 1, chapter 4 of Ephesians. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you are called. In other words, we've been called There's a a thing called a calling of God. It's a high call. He said, if you have a high call, walk high. Don't have a high call and walk low. (laughs) Walk worthy of the call that you have. Make your life, your actions, line up with the high calling of God. Verse 2, with all lowliness and gentleness, with longsuffering, bearing with one another in love. This is the only way we do this now. Bearing with one another in love endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace that means we're doing everything in our power in our ability to make sure there's peace in the family to make sure there's unity there is peace and you have to put up with things do we know that we have to put up with people their faults their failures or otherwise there will never be unity Someone said, I was just looking for a church where everybody's nice. There are no churches where everybody's nice. We hope to kind of have the majority. (laughs) We hope to kind of have, you know, and at least be moving everyone in that direction. But how many know we're all a work in progress? And so if we don't have forbearing uh, with one another and long-suffering, we'll not be able to keep the unity of the Spirit. But that's the will of God. Well, I'm going to go somewhere where they're all nice. Like we said before, you're going to ruin it because you've already got a bad attitude. And you think it's everyone else's fault and it's not. (laughs) Are you saying it's me? Ask around. (laughs) Verse 4, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. All right, so we see the emphasis of one, 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 one. Sometimes people wonder about that scripture. Just take this side note for just a second. Does Doesn't the Bible say there's only one baptism? And uh, I know sometimes those from more denominational backgrounds who don't believe in things like the baptism in the Holy Spirit, they will say to those of us who believe in Acts chapter 2 and those things are for today, they will say, well, the Bible says there's only one baptism. (laughs) Well, that's one place it says that. I mean, you know there are other places that talk about multiple baptisms like Hebrews and, uh, and then all the experiences in the book of Acts the one baptism there that it's referring to is the context of which he's speaking it's called being baptized into Christ that's that's the same terminology as being born again in 1 in Corinthians chapter 12 we are all baptized by one spirit into him okay everybody good well that's all the further I wanted to read anyway <laughs> Let's go to Psalm 133. So we want to keep the unity of the Spirit. When we talk about the church, talk about what we want to accomplish here uh, locally, it's absolutely necessary that we have unity. Not just we're in the same building, but we have the same goals. We have the same reason. For being here i know some time ago i don't want to i don't want to reteach that or anything right now but some time ago i did a series and uh in that series one of the things we talked about was why people go to church anybody here anybody get that message why do people go to church that's a good question to ask isn't it and uh and we must have some of the same reasons for for going to church again we'll get to some of that uh later not that particular message but some of those principles psalm 33 in verse 1 says behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in what unity. unity is it good it's good and pleasant what could we say if we could turn this around we could say how miserable it is for brethren to dwell in disarray what a miserable place. Have you ever experienced that? What a miserable thing for people to get together. Do You know, there There are some churches that have splits. You ever heard of a split? I've heard of a banana split. Uh, sometimes there are churches. There are some Christians that drink coffee. Hallelujah. <laughs> But I think it's 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 just a terrible thing to imagine a church that represents the Lord, represents Jesus, to have to split. What do you mean by that? That's typically termed when half of the people or a large chunk say, we're going away. We're going to start a new thing or something like that or do something else because they simply can't get along. And uh, I, I, I like what I heard another minister say years ago he said in our church we don't have splits and i think i agree with that i've never been a part of one any time in my life so i don't really i thank god for that Uh, he said in our church we don't have splits we have chips (laughs) he said i just present things real strong and real clear and uh, we'll chip this one off and we'll chip that one off and uh, people that if you know if they were allowed to get a foothold they might eventually try to you know, cause problems and and turn other people's minds and and get people to be against this one or that one or that leader or something. And and they cause problems. He said, we just chip them off right away. Yeah. Don't don't feel, don't feel like it's always. I hope I can say this right. Don't feel like it's always a bad thing if someone leaves. I understand my heart. I you know we're building a church. We don't want people to go. Sometimes. In certain situations it's good because they're a hindrance and they're hurting others and uh and it's not a help to what's to what's happening so let's just i pray that's not you (laughs) but sometimes you know people become hard-hearted people become become unmovable people become you know and they just won't go along with anything and they're just gonna have their way amen and not that it's always that way. There's there's occasions when, when God tells someone to do something and he's the boss. Right? And so it's not, you know, don't always have to look down on someone. Amen? But we need to have unity. And the scripture says again here, it's good and it's pleasant. Verse 2, it is like precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron. Aaron was the high priest, right? Running down on the edge of His garments. What's oil? Oil is a type of the anointing. It's the Spirit of God. It's like God running down all over you. It's like His presence and power dripping off of you. He goes on to say, It's like the the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. It's a very refreshing thing. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, Life forevermore. Where did the Lord command His blessing? In the place of unity. So I want the blessing of God to be in. I believe it is on this house as it is on many. But you know one of the things that that causes that is when we dwell together in unity. We're not bucking against each other. We're not trying to get a leg up on each other. Not one person trying to be exalted above another. We're in this together. And no matter what, we let the Lord be the one who is first. And so how miserable. Turn to Colossians 2. Well, not miserable to go there. But uh, how miserable it is for brethren to dwell in disarray. It's like a stinky smell in a dry, parched desert. That's my opposite version. The reverse standard version. So what about churches that are just dry well that could be one of the reasons what about churches I, I, we've had many people uh, that have come to our services and have said it was like a breath of fresh air and I thought well, I mean obviously that's a compliment but why well this is one of the reasons because the people who are here are not against each other but are for each other like I say, we're all a work in progress But we don't shoot our wounded (laughs) right we lift them back up and say you can do it come on you've been knocked down so you've made some mistakes so aren't we all in the same position is there anyone that's excluded from that picture no and we got to be for each other what does that do man i tell you what i think people in our world today want to be accepted they want people who will and uh, they come especially when they come to church not going to judge them not going to criticize not going to look down upon and they'll have to worry about man if i go there people are going to find out what I'm all about we don't really care Hmm. I'll, well i'll just tell you from my heart if some of you are if you're hesitant at all i don't care i don't care what you've done Say, I was doing some stuff. I know. I believe it. (laughs) I know the human race. I know how the flesh works. Hmm? If we were to go around the room, if we were to all just say, this is all the things that I've done, and even within the last year, how many know we we might not be so comfortable around each other? (laughs) But we could all relate. Not that everyone's just living a horrible life. I'm not saying that. But we've all at different times yielded to the flesh. We've all at different times. You may have today. Probably have. <laughs> to some degree or another. Say, so what about that? We don't make light of it like it doesn't matter. Like, ah, oh, just do whatever you want. No, we're, but we're in this together. Isn't it a journey we're on together? And we're endeavoring to make our lives match our born-again spirit we've been saved we love god but our thinking doesn't always line up and we're in a process of renewing our minds and we want to come to a place where we can do that and not have someone knock us over the head in the process because you know we failed or have fallen a few times amen i just want that atmosphere to be pervasive in in our place may have done some ugly things and some sinful things and lied and lied a thousand times asked for forgiveness every time did it again feel feel bad you feel guilty about it hmm. may have ruined a marriage Knew, you know and you feel feel like a you feel like a you know a really bad person because you know you've heard some pretty harsh things said about divorce and, and sometimes people stay away from church because of those things They think i'm oh, i'm a, a divorce person and the bible says god hates divorce and well that's not all that's said about it though there's more than that. There's more than that one scripture. And for someone to stay apart, stay away from the, the church, the family of God, and an active part in the kingdom of God because of past failures, whether it's divorce or murder. In some cases, I mean, you know, when you talk about that, if you murder someone, well, they'll forgive you for that. But if you're divorced, they won't. In many circles, that, that, that's exalted as the, the capital sin. Amen. Say you saying it's okay. I'm saying we love all people, no matter what's happened, and believe the blood of Jesus is more powerful than anything. And there is life after mistakes, sins, hmm? bad ones, big ones, little ones, the colored ones, you know, <laughs> the white lies. Black lies, all those things. The blood of Jesus covers and washes away all. Where did I tell you to turn? Are you there? Colossians chapter two and verse eighteen. Colossians two eighteen. Let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility and worshiping of angels intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head. Notice that phrase. Not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. I want you to notice uh, that language again. Holding fast to the head. This is how a church or a group of people can disunify if that's a word they can become ununified is they cease to hold fast to the head who's the head Jesus he is the head of the church and when people get their eyes off of the head they're not holding him in that position in their life they start making their own decisions they start doing everything by their own call and, and, and instead of holding fast to him but how many know just like why is he called the head? That's a picture of the physical body that we can all relate to. You chop off the head and you got problems. Right? And where where does, uh, how does my foot know to step here? And my arm know, know to go up? And how do we do all the things? We're getting signals from the head, from the brain. And that's the way the body of Christ is supposed to function and operate. That we're not doing things independent of the head, but we're holding fast to the head and saying, "Jesus, it's all about Him." For one, that is the unifying force in all of the church. You know, people talk about in uh, nowadays different faiths, and that you know they'll say, you know, you got the Southern Baptist faith, and you got the Nazarene faith, and and you got a Catholic faith. and, And what did Ephesians say? There's one faith. One faith. So that's a misnomer to speak like that. That's not the way, that's not accurate in the way things are. The fact is, it doesn't really matter in the big picture what someone's subtitle is. If they have a denomination as a subtitle, that's not the issue. We know this, but it's uh, it's who are we looking to as the head, all right? And there is only one faith, and someone can believe many different things on sub-issues, but you can't get that issue wrong, because that is the qualifier that defines who is actually in the body. All right. And, and again, this scripture says we hold fast to the head. We'll have trouble unifying when we focus on and make the main thing something other than that. All right. There was a church. In fact, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Everybody with me tonight? There was a church in those early times what we call the early church. There was a church at Corinth and they're, in a, they're a real good example of what not to do. It's interesting how we use their scriptures so much. <laughs> Makes me wonder what, where we're at. <laughs> but I find it, I find heavy usage of first and second corinthians (laughs) in teaching and study and everything else but the corinthian church was very interesting a lot of things we could say about them but one thing they had a problem with was is what we're talking about right here all right look at the first chapter verse 10 says, Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no what divisions. divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Why would you write to a group and say, You know, I really don't want there to be any division among you. Because there was division among them. And he's addressing at the very beginning of his letter this is one of of your big problems here. All right? Were they saved? Yeah. Did they have God moving in their midst? Yeah, they had gifts. They came behind in no gift. But did they have a problem with unity? They did. And if that is left unchecked, That can destroy a great work of God. If that is left unchecked, Jesus said a house divided against itself will not stand. And if a local church does not stand, who suffers? We know they're suffering within, but I'm telling you, the world around are the ones who are going to be left eternally outside the kingdom. If you and I don't get along, if we don't stay together and be unified and refuse any kind of junk that would cause us to divide, someone's going to hell. I know that's kind of a serious thought. But that is a big issue. We become effective and powerful at carrying out the very reason for our existence only when we're together. And too many times people get so caught up they got their eyes off of the head and looking at all kinds of petty things, fussing about this and that. And meanwhile, someone walks right past them because they're so caught up in their mind with all their petty stuff. And it might seem big to them at the time, but in the realm of eternity it's not. And someone else walks right past them who has a need, but they're, too, they're not sensitive to that at all. They're not looking to serve and to help and responding to the promptings of the Spirit of God because they're ticked off. They're angry at somebody else. They've taken offense by by someone else's actions. In the meantime, they're doing nothing for God. And that's why some of these issues become real serious when we think of God's intention for our impact in the valley. He's got people in mind that he knows he's already been dealing with and he knows you're going to come across their path today he knows you're going to come across in a in a home you're going to you're going to meet this person on the job and and in that encounter they're going to experience god for the very first time and it'll change their eternal destiny god has it designed that we would come together that we would worship that we would be equipped and we would go out and make a difference and so the enemy is going to try to get right in the middle of it every single time and divide and get people all focused down and this way i'm focused on the other arm right now no hold fast to the head don't hold fast to the arm We need the arm, but it doesn't do any good if it's severed from the head. Hmm. And God has some big things for us. So this group, he said, again, I plead with you. I'm pleading with you. In the name of Jesus, would you start saying the same thing? Get on the same page. Let the same words come out of your mouth. Talking to all of them. All right? That there be no divisions among you. Look at the uh look at the third chapter chapter three. Well we have to get the context so verse one, and I brethren could not speak to you as spiritual people but as carnal as to babes in Christ. Now that doesn't mean they were really good looking uh, so. Verse 2, I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you are still not able. So how do you identify? This is uh, th- this is a good teaching in and of itself, but how do you identify spiritual immaturity or carnal carnality? He said in verse 3, for you are still carnal, for where there is envy, strife, And divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Envy, strife, and here's our subject, divisions, divisions. Oftentimes people feel like, um, well, oftentimes people that are being carnal think they're the most spiritual. When someone is typically causing division, do they think that they're being carnal? Usually there's an explanation in their mind. There's a rationalization. Usually they're, you know, somehow on God's side. And everyone else is not. And there someone's got to stand up and do what's right. Or there's some kind of other justification in their mind for causing division. If that were not the case, we would all, I'm talking about the whole body of Christ, we would all resist it very quickly. If we knew, yeah, I just decided I woke up today. I'm going to go divide some homes, split some churches. Just, I'm going to really divide, I'm going to be a division maker. (laughs) I mean, a, a real Christian would never do that. But what happens is they believe that they are more spiritual than everybody else. They see things that others don't see. And if everyone else prayed as much as I do, or had the spiritual discernment, they would be able to recognize this, and they would do something about it, but I guess I have to. Some people don't know what spirit they're yielding to. And that's sad. But what's needed? Here's what's needed. Maturity. I, I've known some folks. In fact, there was a particular family that I knew years ago. In this family, all the women were very domineering. for di- Different generations. And they kind of learned it from each other. And, uh, and they all had... Um, in their homes, all the husbands were weak. And so, to some degree, you understand it because some the husbands were not taking any kind of spiritual leadership. They weren't saying this is the way our family's going to go, we're going to serve God. And so sometimes, you know, I don't blame those women fully and that's because someone had to do it, you know for the kid's sake, and take the lead if the man wouldn't. Um, But beyond that, all of these women in this family, different generations, all considered themselves very spiritual. And me looking from the outside, uh, not being in the middle of the cloud of deception, it was very clear to me. And I thought, hmm, don't you see this? Say, what did you see? I saw saw envy, strife, and division. And I saw groups that were... I saw families that were constantly fighting. Where one would... Where they would go months and months, talking about adults, months and months without talking to each other. Sometimes it would go longer. And then eventually... They'd talk again, but then it was only a matter of time until someone said something or did something that teed somebody else off, and they're all these highly spiritual people who can quote the Bible, who pray in tongues, who do all kinds of, and constantly, they're angry with each other and dividing. I'm thinking, this is not a picture of maturity here. This is not a picture of what they consider themselves to be more spiritual than everybody else. And one of the other characteristics was a difficult time committing and being faithful to a local church. Do you know why that was the case? Because they would get upset with how different things were run regularly. And so there was a desire they would become a part of something, but it was only a matter of time until they had to leave because they were more spiritual than everybody. They just saw things that no one else in the church saw. They, always, they were always more spiritual and more intelligent than the pastor. And so there they are on their own again, you know, and they're just limited to the TV and feel superior. And bless God, I support so-and-so's ministry, you know, and someone nationally known, and they feel like, felt like they were, you know, far superior in delivering the word and all kinds of things. And, but how many know that's easy, it doesn't take a mature person to sit and watch TV? I'm not saying there's no value in it, there's, there is one really good program out there. <laughs> actually, actually, there's a lot of them. Uh, but it doesn't take a whole lot of maturity to watch TV and get all your spiritual food through that method. It takes maturity to rub shoulders with other real people. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> to deal with others who've got issues, who aren't always nice like we expect them to be. All right. Not excusing bad behavior. We need to walk in love. That's the command. All right. But I'm just saying, here we are. <laughs> it takes maturity to... Uh, To do things when you don't feel like doing it. Amen. To be challenged. That's one of the good things about church. The way we do things around here. You don't get to pick what I talk about. The good thing about that is you never know what's coming. And I know this is just the truth about us. That is good huh? Because when you read the Bible, you know, unless you have a, many have a system, you know, like we do reading through the New Testament or reading through the whole Bible. But other times you can go to your favorite book and read what you want and not meditate and focus on scriptures that mm, get you. But in here, you're going to hear it for about 45 minutes. <laughs> and I am believing God that He'll talk to you. And sometimes what we hear is, yeah, I'm all, abo- all about that, and sometimes it's uncomfortable. That's good. That's your beans. That's <laughs> your broccoli. Tastes like the devil, but <laughs> some of you like it. Uh, but you know, nutritious for you, good for you. Amen. And so we got to watch out for the deception. And recognize, again, I'm not putting anyone down here, but if you have a a family full of constant division and strife, there is a lack of maturity there. Hmm. Say, but it's not me, it's them. Well, (laughs) I mean, you're right, it could be more them. There's no doubt that that's the case sometimes. But a mature person can get to the place where they just refuse to be in strife with someone else. They say, I'm, you know, I love you, I'm, I'm here for you, uh, but I'm not going to fight with you. I'm not going to argue. You want to fight about over money? Take it. See who comes out on top. Hmm. Just like when it, when it comes to inheritances and all that kind of stuff. That's when families, someone dies and there's some money left and and all the brothers and sisters are at each other's throat. I'm getting my part, bless God. I'm not going to let them take advantage of me. And and, well, I'm not saying you shouldn't have your part, but at what price do we say, take it? Let's look at one more. 1 Corinthians 11. Let's close here. I wanted to show you these three examples from, from this church. 1 Corinthians 11 verse 17 now in giving these instructions I do not praise you since you come together what what do they do? come together isn't that the church? that's what it is we come together we are apart but we come together that's the will of God isn't it? so far they're they're in the will of God but you read the, better, the rest of the verse, he says, not for the better, but for the worse. Well, how could it be for the worse? This, this is the church. We come together. It's the will of God. It's last, you know, in the last days, get together more and more. Don't despite, you know, Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. We're coming together. Coming together can be harmful and can produce a worse circumstance if, verse 18 is the case, first of all, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you and in part i believe it. what were they coming, they were doing they were coming together on the outside but they were not coming together on the inside. and because of that they left church and they were worse than when they came. let's not let that be the case with us. i don't believe it is. i don't believe it is at all. but because this is in the word we know that if we yield to the flesh that that could be that could become a true story about any group including us If we don't watch it unity goes out the window and division sets in and then our effectiveness goes down and ultimately the impact we have on the world around us here in this valley goes down and the repercussions of that are quite sobering when we see things from god's eye and through the realm of eternity Amen. Father God, we do thank you tonight. Thank you for doing a work in this house and in this place. I believe that your, your spirit is here teaching and instructing and helping each and every one of us to walk in the fullness of your will and of your plan and of your best. Lord, there are areas in all of our lives where we need to grow. No question about that. There are areas we need to learn more in. Be schooled in. But Father, help us all, I pray. And you just stir these things in our hearts even now. That first and foremost and above all, that we walk in love with one another. Forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us. And I believe that your grace is sufficient. You're enabling us to walk to that level, to that degree. So that we can be powerful. Keeping the unity of the Spirit. Being used by you to do great things in our valley and across the world. Lord, thank you for your help. Thank you for your strength. You enable us, you empower us, and you equip us to do much for you. For this we give you all the thanks, all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name. Father, I do pray for for those who have come tonight. Lord, if there are are some here.